Welcome back into Local News Live. I'm Clay Osterley. Today is Friday, September 2nd, 2022. And just a second here from Studio B, I'm going to have a look at your local top stories going on from across gray television and from coast to coast. But first, I want to send it to Studio A with Victoria Shirley and a look at your national headlines going on right now. Lots happening today, Victoria. Oh, a lot happening. That's right, Clay. Let's jump right into a preview of what we'll be talking about here today. So the full inventory from the Mar-a-Lago search has been released and the White House top climate advisor uh, McCarthy steps down. We'll talk about when that is going to be officially announced today. And take two, NASA aims for the Saturday launch of the new moon rocket. But will it happen? Well, that's kind of up in the air, but we'll give you some of those details there for you. But first, let's start with some of the biggest news coming out of uh, Florida. The Mar-a-Lago search inventory is showing documents marked as classified, mixed with clothes, gifts, and press clippings. Let's dig into that story for you now. All right, today, a U.S. judge released a detailed inventory of the search of Donald Trump's Florida home by the FBI last month. The document had been sealed since it was filed by the Justice Department. The list, again, shows classified documents were stored with newspapers and magazines, as well as clothing and gifts. A status report of the investigative team's review of the evidence was also made public. The DOJ wrote in its report that items taken from Mar-a-Lago will be used in its investigation. All right, we have some news here from the White House at the White House National Climate Advisor. Gina McCarthy will be stepping down. President Biden is expected to make the official announcement about that today. Let's go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about what's going on here with that. McCarthy is one of two top climate officials appointed by Biden at the start of his administration. She was tasked with setting up a first-of-its-kind White House office to coordinate climate action across agencies. McCarthy had long been expected to stay in her position for about a year, but she continued for months beyond to help see through the Democrats' historic climate legislation, which Biden signed in August. Her last day is expected to be September 16th. According to an administration official familiar with the plans, McCarthy will be su succeeded by her deputy, Ali Zaidi. Biden's other top climate official, U.S. climate envoy John Kerry, is expected to stay in his post through the U.N. climate summit this fall. All right, we talked a little bit about this earlier today with our station WAFF because Huntsville plays a crucial role in the Artemis One mission. The moon rocket tried to take off Monday, but those plans were scrubbed after some issues. So take two is tomorrow. Let's dig into what that may look like. NASA will try again tomorrow to launch its new moon rocket on a test flight. The first attempt on Monday was thwarted by engine trouble. Managers said Tuesday that they are changing fueling procedures to deal with the issue. The 322-foot rocket remains on the pad at Florida's Kennedy Space Center with an empty crew capsule on top. The Space Launch System rocket, the most powerful ever built by NASA, will attempt to send the capsule around the moon and back. No one will be aboard. 
no people at least, live people, just three test dummies. If successful, it will be the first capsule to fly to the moon since NASA's Apollo program 50 years ago. All right, I have a comment by Jeremy Parson. He's the deputy manager of the NASA Exploration Ground Systems, and he talks a little bit about what to expect. Let's take a listen in. Our team is ready. They are getting better with every attempt and actually performed superbly um, during launch countdown number one. So in my mind, I think uh, if the conditions with weather and the hardware align, we'll absolutely go. Um, and we have the right team at kind of the right time. Our team is ready. They are getting better with every attempt and actually performed superbly um, during launch countdown number one. So in my mind, I think uh, if the conditions with weather and the hardware align, we'll absolutely go. Um, and we have the right team at kind of the right time. Our team is ready. They are All right, that was the very latest from that uh, official deputy manager of the NASA Exploration Ground Systems. Okay, so the launch is supposed to happen tomorrow. Here at Local News Live, we will be streaming that launch and we'll be taking content from all of our stations across the country and we'll implement that into our stream. We do know that our Huntsville, Alabama station will have one of their main anchors down in Florida. She's Liz Hurley has been in Florida since the beginning of the week, since the mission was scrubbed on Monday. So we plan to take her uh, live reports from Florida. She'll be there as an eyewitness. All right, we are going to switch gears here and check out our local Gray TV stories with our very own Clay Osterley. And Clay, you've been looking through the top trending stories across our more than 100 TV stations. What do you have for us, Clay? Lots going on across the country here today, too. There is some continuing coverage to a story that we've been uh, checking in on here throughout the week. And I want to pop up a, a summary of a couple of the different things we're going to look at. First one right off the bat here, the continuing water crisis in Jackson, Mississippi. Now, FEMA is expected to uh, make an appearance today in Jackson, Mississippi, or I should say the director of FEMA is expected to be there today. Meanwhile, the mayor of Jackson and uh, the governor, uh, Governor Reeves, they're attempting to shift the narrative on the Jackson water crisis moving forward. So WLBT kind of has a breakdown of that. That's our great television newsroom in Jackson, Mississippi. You'll read the next headline here. They were our family. That's the way that pet owners describe their two dogs. They are seeking justice now after their neighbor shot and killed their dogs for being on his property. We'll get you an update from KHNL in Hawaii from that. Our next headline, Pixie Land. Pixie Land is a amusement park that hasn't been open since the 70s. Well, guess what? It's now part of a new documentary, and it's opening just in time for the holiday weekend. People can go and visit after so many years of not being able to be there. KPTV in Portland, Oregon will have an update on that. And lastly, this story here, and I wanted to share this story. This story just means something to me, uh, and I wanted to share it with the nation here. WGCL out of Atlanta, Georgia, has a story with a family in Atlanta that is requesting birthday cards for an eight-year-old child with autism after no one showed up for his birthday party. 
he's turning nine in just a couple of days and they want to flood him with birthday cards to let him know that he is special and cared for and loved and WGCL will have the update on that story here coming up. All right, heading out to uh, Jackson, Mississippi. The water crisis there in Jackson continues. This is following the fact that their main water treatment plant for the entire city failed. It's been days since residents has ha- have had reliable water. FEMA getting involved, MEMA, which is the equivalent of FEMA for the state of Mississippi as well, and the National Guard also trying to hand out water to folks also. So WLBT has an update with the latest as the governor and the mayor trying to change the narrative of this whole thing. Let's listen in. Well, if you have seen some of the national coverage about the water crisis, much of it has focused on a blame game. We took those questions to leaders and we're talking about the next steps. Courtney Ann Jackson explains. In the first joint briefing since the start of the water crisis, the governor and mayor are trying to shift the narrative on the perception that it's the city versus the state. There will be plenty of time in the future uh, to play the blame game, and and y'all can do all of that you want to do. You can do it in real time if you want to, but I ain't got time for it. This is a set of accumulated challenges uh, that has taken place over the better part of three decades, uh, which precedes both myself and the governor. Now what we're focused on uh, is the operational unity that we have. Operational unity uh, means that we're focused more on our common ends and objectives than any differences uh, that we may have revealed at, at some point in time. Nevertheless, a blame game is how many have viewed it. We've been going it alone for the better part of two years when it comes to the Jackson water crisis. Prior to Monday of this week, the state of Mississippi runs exactly zero water systems. But even the Jackson delegation at the Capitol seem ready to move beyond that. Polarizing politics brought us here, and goodwill is going to bring us forward, and the reality of the situation. The state has been on the outside looking in, now they're on the inside looking out, and they realize that the reality of the situation is greater than what they thought. All right, you can head over to WLBT.com for the latest update related to that. Again, just wanted to make mention that the director of FEMA is expected to be in Jackson later on today. Moving on to our next top story here, a a very sad story going on in Hawaii. Uh, Pet owners are now seeking justice for their dogs killed by their neighbor. Now, their neighbor says that their dogs were, quote, messing with my horses. Now, the dog's owners say that their dogs were not aggressive. So KHNL is looking into the story. Five, police are investigating the shooting deaths of two pet dogs in West Oahu. The dog's owners blame their neighbor. As our Sammy Selena reports, they want him to face charges. Probably the most calmest gentlest Australian shepherd you've ever met. Vindy and Dutch loved going to their owner's ranch every day near Kunia. And that was their happy place. And that was our happy place. But since this has happened, it's, there's no joy, joy anymore. Tabitha Autele and her husband, Elmer Acera, say earlier this month, their pups chased a mongoose onto neighboring property. I heard a gunshot and then a dog yelp. And then a few seconds later, I heard another gunshot um, and then another dog yelp. And then I immediately thought, oh, no, I hope it's not them. They were just fun-loving dogs that uh, 
<clears throat> Sorry. Um... They say their neighbor told them their dogs were messing with his horses, so he shot them. Was he attacking and, and, and harming the horses and cattle? No. I mean, we... He, they have been around horses, trained. Again, their breed is not aggressive. According to criminal defense lawyer Victor Bakke, people are allowed to defend themselves and their pets from other animals by using reasonable force. They would be allowed to use force in a reasonable amount that is necessary to address the danger presented by the dogs. So they could hit them with a stick, they could kick at them to get them away. But pulling out a gun and shooting the dogs, unless there was a strong reason to believe that the dogs were likely to seriously injure or kill the horse, then that would be um, an abuse of force. The family says the man who shot their dogs is a parolee. They said they were called in a week later to give a statement to the Hawaii Paroling Authority, and documents show their neighbor was taken into custody the same day for violating his parole. However, they're hoping he would be charged for killing their family pets. Baki says the man could face a felony for unjustifiably shooting the dogs. They just, um love being around us. I don't want this case just shoved under a desk because, you know, they're just dogs because they're not just dogs. They were our family. Sammy Solina, Hawaii News Now. HPD. And you can uh, head over to hawaiinewsnow.com for the latest update on that story. Uh, I'm sure we will get some updates from KHNL on that one in the future. Okay, uh, heading into the holiday weekend here, uh, an amusement park opens after 47 years of being closed, actually closed down in the mid-90s. Pixieland, uh, out there in Oregon, is part of a new documentary, and they are expecting big crowds as a result of reopening and that documentary. Let's get you out to KPTV in Portland, Oregon, our great television newsroom there for the latest on this. Big crowds are expected at the Oregon coast this Labor Day weekend. That's right. Uh, in Lincoln City, visitors will be able to revisit what was once a very popular family destination. So Joe's here now to tell us all about the story of Pixieland. Joe, I've been here uh, going on 22 years. Yes. I've never even heard of this. That is a very common refrain I've been hearing, Shauna. So if you don't know, and many people don't, Pixieland was once a very popular but short-lived amusement park that was in operation just from 1969 until 1975. And it's the subject of a new documentary called The Forgotten Story of Pixieland. So it was built by the owner of what was a popular seafood restaurant in what is now Lincoln City. Uh, that restaurant was called The Pixie Kitchen. And it's estimated that the construction of Pixieland, their amusement park near that restaurant, cost as much as $2 million. So adjusted for inflation, that would be about $15 million in 2022. Pixieland had an old west town, lots of amusement rides. There was even a train that kind of circled around the park. In fact, it had the very first log flume ride on the west coast, even before the famous one at Knott's Berry Farm in California. Now, in its short lifespan, Pixieland was a major attraction that brought thousands of visitors to the central coast of Oregon. Here's the president of the local Kiwanis Club explaining what Pixieland meant to that area. When Pixieland opened, um, it was a huge deal. Um, there wasn't a lot of entertainment options, and uh, Pixieland was was a really big entertainment option at the time. So it was a huge deal. Uh, when the park opened, it was dedicated by Governor Tom McCall. Um, so it, it was really it was it was 
kind of something to behold in, in Oregon and in the Northwest. As we mentioned, though, Pixieland only lasted six years. Uh, the park did not turn a profit, and then it shut down in 1975. But you can see that's what the old town there looked like. Still, it's remembered fondly by many in Lincoln City, which even hosts a summer event still called Pixie Days, which is a fundraiser for the local area. And this weekend, you can see that new documentary for free. There's going to be the forgotten story of Pixieland shown at the Bijou Theater in Lincoln City Friday night and Sunday afternoon. Again, uh, no charge for admission. And in addition to the movie, you also see uh, some Pixieland artifacts and memorabilia that they've kept throughout the years. And incidentally, if you're not going to head out to the coast, the documentary can also be seen on YouTube, where it already has more than 400,000 views. And yes, talking with people in the newsroom, yeah. many people have been here 30. In my case, I mean, we came here in 1980. Yeah. I had never heard of Pixieland, yeah. but it was this very kind of bright spot Special. for a very short period of time there on the coast. You know, these documentary filmmakers, I think, are treasures because they, they remind us of things or teach yep. us about things we never even knew existed, and now, now we all know. Yes, and you'll get to hear Love from uh, one, of the per one of the people that helped put that together. It's interesting. There's people that actually worked at Disneyland that they brought in to work on this. It was a big wow. project, so for a, for a brief period, a very shining star there on the coast. Cool. That is yeah. so neat. Yeah. Thank so perhaps if you were out on the Portland coast uh, there sometime between 69 and 75, you have memories of Pixie Land, and maybe it's time to make a trip back out to the coast there for a rundown memory lane. All right, let's uh, head out to Atlanta, Georgia here. This story is uh, pretty special. A family is requesting birthday cards for an eight-year-old. He's getting ready to turn nine just in a couple of weeks here. Uh, this child has autism, and no one showed up to several of his birthday parties over the last couple of years. And now the family wants to shower him with love, make him feel very special for his ninth birthday. And well, here's how you can do that. WGCL in Atlanta has the story. Now, when you're eight years old, birthday parties are a pretty big deal. They really mean everything to a lot of kids. Yeah, but what happens when you throw several and then nobody shows up? Oh. That'd be disappointing. CBS 46's Sawyer Bussey shows us how complete strangers are making a little boy's day. My nephew turns nine September 14th. Last year, he didn't have anyone show up to his birthday party. Sometimes we all need a reminder that we matter. Wish. That in wish. this giant world, there is someone thinking of us. Someone who thinks we are important. So he's a little discouraged that people don't think of him. He's autistic and doesn't understand. Austin is eight years old. He's a playful, sometimes moody kid. He's had a rough time. People tend to bully him at school. No one wants to show up to any of his events. Is that true? Have you been getting bullied? Mm -hmm. How does that make you feel? Sad. Every kid deserves to be loved. And he deserves to have friends show up. Austin turns nine on September 14th. This year, the family's doing something different. They're asking total strangers all over the state of Georgia to write and send birthday cards to Austin. Maybe a few birthday cards, he would realize that there's other people out there who actually want to send him something, who actually care. Do you see how Bree is looking over to the side? It's because Austin is standing over there. She's speaking directly to him, and she's speaking about more than birthday cards. She's trying to remind Austin that he is important, and she's hoping perfect strangers can help her do that. I'm trying to get him to know that everyone does care, that there are people out there anywhere around the world that actually care about him. Sawyer Bussey, CBS 46 News.
And here is his address. You got pen and paper? Or take your cell phone and just take a screenshot of this real quick. This is the address where you can send a card to Austin and make his day. The address, 7830 Smith Farm Road, Cumming, Georgia. Rick and I are already, Fred, we've already said we're getting cards. I'm going to send him some CBS 46 swag. Absolutely. We're going to deck you out, buddy. This info will also be in this story, on our website, and on our CBS 46 News app. All right, so I've paused it there uh, with the info on your screen. That way, if you feel like you want to uh, share some birthday love with Austin, you can also send a birthday card to him because, you know, they said in the story they want Georgians to uh, send birthday cards to Austin. Why not just go ahead and get some birthday cards for Austin from all over the country? I'm glad to be part of that here at Local News Live. And you know what? I might be going and getting me a birthday card here before too long once I get off of work myself. So if you want to send a birthday card to Austin, that's the information on the screen, or you can head over to cbs46.com and find that story. It'll be there for you as well. So that's a look at the top stories going on across gray television here so far today. We are monitoring constantly breaking news situations from our more than 100 local television stations across the country to in Alaska, one in Hawaii. We got it covered for you here. And uh, of course, all of those local journalists bringing you the latest information that's important to you in your community. Victoria? Clay, what a heartwarming story. I, I'm going to send a card too. Just, oh, it breaks my heart to think that how sad he must have been when no one showed up for his birthday. So yep, sad, but, but heartwarming that, that the, commu the nation is probably going to turn out and send him cards. Can't wait to see how many cards he actually gets because I'm sure WGCL will follow up. It's going to be an amazing number, I'm sure. Absolutely. All right, Clay, from talking about birthday cards and presents, something that someone might consider a gift to themselves today is something coconut. Why do I say that? Well, that's because it is World Coconut Day. And since we're talking about coconuts, let me bring up some video here so you can enjoy it with me. All right, let's uh, enjoy this video for a moment. Seeing that tropical background, oh, just looks so nice. All right, today is World Coconut Day, observed each year on September 2nd. World Coconut Day recognizes all that coconut brings to many products, from its flavorful and aromatic nutrition to its antiviral and antimicrobial properties to how it can moisturize our skin and how it improves the flavor of our food. It's safe to say that nutrient-rich coconut is a staple item that is here to stay. Clay, do you like coconut? I, uh, it's a split decision for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't like uh, coconut yeah, shaving. I don't, I don't like coconut like, uh, like an actual eating the flesh of coconut. Um, but coconuts do make uh, lots of drinks taste pretty tasty. So I think I'm going to maybe celebrate with a nice pina colada. So you like, let, let's, let's get this straight, Clay, mm. since it's World Coconut Day. Okay. You like coconut, the flavor, but you don't like the actual thing. I don't like the texture of coconut, if that makes sense. I, something about it just weirds me out. Uh, there, there, there is no other food texture like coconut to me. Hmm. Uh, okay. And so... Uh, I don't like the texture of coconut, and, and honestly, I don't know. I, there's something about the flesh of the coconut that I feel like tastes different 
from a coconut drink mm. or, um, or even coconut water or coconut milk. Um, but you know, I can also eat ketchup and spaghetti and I don't like raw tomatoes. So I, to each their own, yeah, I guess. Yeah, some people have but, weird texture issues. But, uh, but you know, yeah, and I, I uh, certain, certain cakes that are made with coconuts and things like that, as long as the shavings are not on or mm -hmm. in the coconut or in the cake, totally fine with it. Totally fine with mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Well, it's World Coconut Day, and if you're not um, strange like clay, <laughs> enjoy sure, the coconut. I'm sure there are plenty of people who enjoy agree your coconut that. shavings. Enjoy coconut everything. Some people eat coconut raw. Yeah. Enjoy the flavoring in your drink. You know, World Coconut Day. It seems like it should be in July, but it is yeah, September. September 2nd. Yeah, kind of interesting I mean, there. Yeah. Maybe maybe it has something to do with, um, and again, I just I have no idea. But maybe it has something to do with like a coconut harvest or yeah. something like that. I, I again, no clue. It could be something but, you don't know about. But, but let's then again, just enjoy this video. Yeah. Like, just does this not make you feel like you're on vacation right now? Makes me want to feel like I'm on vacation. Look at that. Yeah. Nice. See, I bet that coconut water that came out of there was tasty. Yep. Yep. And refreshing. All right, well, happy World Coconut Day, Clay. Same to you. And it's Fry-Yay as well. Fry-Yay. All right, so let's transition to one of our favorite videos to share with you. This is a video that really shows you Gray TV's kind of expansive touch on our country. We are part of Gray Television. Gray Television has stations in cities across America, including Hawaii and Alaska. And there are hardworking journalists in each of those cities. And we share with you the most interesting stories told by the people who know those stories the very best here on Local News Live. We'll be right back. 